And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And today we're going to be talking bootstrapping tips for startups. Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. So today, um, I, I am super excited about our guest today, because this individual is a person that I, I, I have followed her career with interest. She is doing absolutely amazing things uh, in the entrepreneurial space. She is an incredible founder uh, and, and is, is really kind of disrupting an industry. And so we are very, very honored today to have with us Dr. Shelley Cooper. And Dr. Cooper is founder of Sure Show Incorporated. I'm going to let her tell you about Sure Show. But first, I just want to say thank you so much for being with us on the show, Dr. Cooper. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so let's dive right into it. I'm going to ask you a very general question. I'm just going to ask you, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about Sure Show. You know, tell us what you want to tell us because what you want to tell us is what we want to hear. Well, let's see. I can tell you about Sure Show first. Sure Show is a platform that replaces no-show medical appointments and late cancellations with billable telehealth visits. So when there is a no-show, uh, Sure Show contacts people in the waitlisted queue and lets them know that there's an opportunity for a telehealth encounter with their medical provider. Should they decide to accept that invitation? Then they're forwarded onto the medical office where they are connected with their, with their provider and then a telehealth encounter ensues. If it's not a good time for them, they're at the dentist, they're at the grocery store, then they can just uh, decline that offer and go to the bottom of the waitlisted queue and come up another time when it's convenient. So it's telehealth on demand, but it's on demand on the patient's terms. So, so that's absolutely amazing. And, you know, I, as someone who's not really actively involved in the medical community, like I have actually heard that that no-show appointments are a huge problem for, for doctor's offices and, uh, you know, wellness professionals. You have a chunk of time, you, have, you expect someone to show up and you expect someone to pay you right. for your services. And right. so every moment that you are open and you are not seeing clients and seeing patients is a problem. Right. right. So, so viewing is is really, I imagine, transformative for a lot of these professionals. Um, I, I do want to I do want to follow that disruptive piece, because as far as I know, I don't really know. I, I haven't heard of any technology that does what Sure Show is doing. Um, so, so do you feel like you're you're an innovator, like you're kind of leading a charge? I really do. And, and it's interesting you should say uh, make that comment, because as soon as I came up with the idea, I wanted to patent it. 
And so we filed for a provisional patent, which kind of is a stake in the ground for a year. And that means that, and during that year's time, preparing all the information that needs to be submitted to the patent office um, gives us some time to kind of do some research. Is anybody else doing this? If they are, how close are they? Are there technology to what we're doing? Things like that. And so this past year, that originally was done in, in uh, December of 2019. So in uh -huh. December of 2020, uh, a um, non-provisional patent was filed as well as a trademark. So the, the name Sure Show is the approval is is pretty close. It's like 99% there that the Sure Show trademark has been accepted. And the Sure Show patent is on its way. But whenever there's I'm learning about patents and all of that. So thanks, Hobie Williams. That's a lot to learn. Shout plug to Hobie Williams, who's one of the best patent uh attorney firms in, in Kansas City and, and in the region, as far as I'm concerned. Um so what, what we're finding is there's so many other platforms that do kind of a Venn diagram type of, of overlay of what SureShow does, but none so far do A to Z, soup to nuts, what SureShow does. So yeah. we're happy about well, that. That is absolutely incredible. Um, I am... I'm just so impressed, Dr. Cooper. I, the, the work that you do, like you're doing something very new and very in inventive and you're doing it in such an intentional way. And so I wanna, I wanna take it back a little bit and I'm gonna ask you, you know, what inspired you to get Sure Show off the ground? You know, what, how did you come to an understanding of the need? How did you come to an understanding of the product and what was needed in the market? Well, first of all, I, I need to back up just a little bit farther from that. Um, I started Diversity Telehealth, which is a telehealth consulting company, company yeah. in um, um, 2016, when I finished my doctoral studies in instructional technology and distance ed, the emphasis in telemedicine adoption dissertation. If, if you have nothing else to do and you want to read 170 pages of research on telehealth in the Midwest, then that would be where you'd start. So after that dissertation and the doctoral um, graduation and all, I decided I really wanted to concentrate on bringing telehealth into underserved areas. My office is in the Lincoln Building at 18th and Vine, right in the heart of the Jazz District, which in 2016 was really jumping and popping, but we know with COVID, um, things have subsided quite a bit. But anyway, right. what I wanted to make sure happened is healthcare access was available to all. And so in doing that, I've been working with some of the federally qualified health centers here in Kansas City, and one of their highest, uh, one of their largest problems is a really high no-show rate. So in some instances, the no-show rate would be as high as 40%. So that wow. means four in 10 of their patients would either no-show or it would be a late cancellation. And that's usually primary care has the highest no-show rates overall. And when we get more into specialty care, cardiology, pulmonology, nephrology, and some of the others, it's a lot lower, but still there is a no-show presence there. And when there's a no-show, the, the patient doesn't receive care, the physician doesn't receive revenue, and what's called quality measures are not met. And those are the measures that um, the organization is measured by to make sure that they're actually meeting the needs of the patient. And so with training in telehealth administration, and working with organizations with high no-show rates, I started playing around with the idea of how about replacing those no-shows with telehealth visits. 
And so that was kind of an idea that got it percolating. And then in February of, of 2018, uh, my father passed away very suddenly in his sleep, and we had no idea that um, he had doctor's appointments scheduled for just a, two, a few weeks after he passed away. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if someone could have gotten to him, and since I'm a doctor, but I'm not a clinician, I couldn't treat him. If someone okay. could have gotten to him or somehow had some type of interaction with him at, earlier um, during that no-show visit, they could have said, Mr. Brown, we need for you to come in or we're calling an ambulance for you or we just need for you to take something to um, um, hydrate yourself or something like that. And so in thinking about that, I thought, okay, let's put all these things together. Let's put yeah. together the fact that people with chronic diseases need to be seen more frequently and they often fall between the cracks. People with um, in underserved areas Life takes over. They need to watch kids. They don't have transportation. They can't get time off from their job. Um, so what we're, what we're looking at here is the fact that there's an underserved population that needs to be seen more often. And there are these huge blocks of time that where people are going unserved. And so I put all of those combinations together and came up with the idea of Sure Show. And one of the things I wanted to mention is this was kind of funny. It's irritating, but it's kind of funny. You know, when you keep getting those phone calls, I still have a landline. I'm one of the old school folks that still has a landline. So we get these phone calls and we don't want to answer. So we mute it and they call again. They don't, we don't want to answer. So we mute it. So what I thought about was how about maybe a robocall type of situation where the patient is contacted. Would you like to have a telehealth visit? Yes or no. They say no. They go back to the bottom of the, of the heap and then it continues until they receive a telehealth invitation that meets their schedule. So all of those factors together are what we put together to make the Sure Show app. So long story, but that's how it works. No, no, I, I love that. And in particular, I, I love that you kind of took it back to give us some context. And so I, I'm actually going to kind of pull that thread a little bit, because I think what you're talking about is very important. And I think it's not as uh, well known or deeply discussed as it should be. So when we're talking about discrepancies in healthcare, mm -hmm. we have underserved communities, we have in, in particular, black and brown communities, mm -hmm. who experience deep systemic barriers to accessible, affordable health care. And I, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say that healthcare in our country, um, yeah, could use some work. Mm -hmm. But in particular, when we're talking about the communities that Shore Show was designed for, not only have you created a tool that is very useful, but you're creating systemic change. Mm -hmm. you, you are developing access points for communities that deeply, deeply need it. Um, you know, what do you do if you, you know, so, so I'm a diabetic, like I have a chronic illness, mm -hmm. what, but I, I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of privilege. And so I can drive to a doctor's office. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about childcare. Um, you know, I can take time off work whenever I want to, cause I'm a founder, but mm -hmm. there are so many who can't do that. And so, so you're creating a great opportunity and you're creating a sea change in addition to the creation of a business and a product that is, is viable. Um, so just hats off to you. Kudos. Like that's, that's amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So 
so clearly you have a heart for this. And I mean, hearing you talk about your dad, it, it kind of broke my heart a little bit. Right. <laughs> Would you say that that is, a, I, I'm so sorry for your loss. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, you know, with the knowledge that maybe with a little bit more preventative care, a little bit more early intervention, it probably could have been prevented. Right. right. <laughs> so that, is that where your heart for this comes from? Like you're, because you're talking about a service mentality in an entrepreneurial um, presentation, which is really interesting to me. Well, it's interesting too, because prior to, to, um, uh, working toward my doc, um, I was a classroom teacher for 25 years and I stopped, I taught technology. So for pre-K to eighth graders, I taught the university level. So there's always been to me, um, a feeling of service. I need to be of service to somebody and believe it or not, I've tried year after year. I thought, okay, surely I can make more money doing something else. I, every time I tried to leave the field of education, somehow I was drawn back because I feel that I need to give my services and talents to somebody. Somebody needs to benefit from, from this. Otherwise, what's the point? I mean, it'd be great to make a lot of money. I'm not saying I don't want to. And hopefully, sure, sure, will bring quite a bit of revenue. But I've just felt my life is meant to serve other people. That's what I'm supposed to do. And when I turn off that feeling gene mm-hmm. that I feel like I have, I, it, it just doesn't work. I just feel hollow inside. And so um, at least knowing that what I'm doing is helping somebody, then I think that that really keeps me going. And part of diversity yeah. telehealth, if I could step back a second, part of diversity telehealth's mission is to provide telehealth Mm -hmm. by any means necessary. So I'm also a teledoc broker. So, um, and I have a 501c3 called Diversity Telehealth Community Network. And in that I raise money for um, homeless people to have teledoc memberships. And so um, in doing that, I'm able to have fundraisers and a lot of the money I put in myself as if I have a lot, but whatever I have, I put in. And then I can give away telehealth memberships to people who are homeless. And that way they can go to the library and contact a physician. Sometimes they're able to get cell phones um, on different month by month type of contracts through the homeless shelters. So they're under a bridge, they're um, staying on couch surfing with people, but they still need healthcare. And sometimes when you don't have an address, it's hard for you to get services that you need in order to um, to meet the healthcare needs that you have. So I'm just I'm just trying to bring healthcare to underserved people by any means necessary. And Sure Show is one of those. My 501c3 is one of those, and Diversity is, Telehealth is one as well. Dr. Cooper, that is absolutely incredible. Uh, and so you actually, I, I actually just got chills <laughs> because I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I hadn't thought about that application of it. And that's certainly, again, you know, coming from a place of privilege, like I don't have to think about that because I have resources. Um, so, so just hearing you say that, um, it just gave me chills. Um, yeah. So, so thank you, um, for your service. Now I I do want to talk about the tactics because one of the things that has Mm -hmm. impressed me most about you, Dr. Cooper, is the fact that you, as far as I know, um, you know, you weren't backed by anyone in your early days. And I have seen your career. 
I, I have had the privilege of seeing your career progress from you know very early days. And I every time I turn around now, I see Dr. Shelley Cooper being recognized or being accepted <laughs> into an accelerator program or being, uh, you know, finding ways to promote what you're doing, learn about what you're doing, um, and just bring this project to fruition. Clearly you think it's important, um, but you have dedicated a lot mm -hmm. of time and mental bandwidth to a lot of using a lot of different tools and resources that are available to you. And so when I talk about the self-actualized entrepreneur, the entrepreneur who has a very clear direction and is willing to take every step possible to see success, you're kind of, you're in my head there. I just want you to know that, um, <laughs> you know, as somebody who's watched your career from afar. So I want to talk to you about that. Um, you know, how, first off, why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the tools, recognitions, programs that have been of benefit to you? Well, I'm, I'm telling you that if it's yeah. free, I know about it. I mean, free as in whatever that commercial is free, free, yeah. free, free, free. That's what I go for. So small business association has been, has had a wealth of information that they've shared with my company as, as well as with me personally. The Kauffman Foundation, they've got so many workshops that are available. Um, and then also with the um, S, and I always get this wrong, SBDTC. Yeah. Okay. Small business. Somehow those letters Center. always I think get mixed that's at UMKC, right? Yeah, it's at UMKC. So uh, between Jill Hathaway, Jill Myers, Sally Williams, and there's somebody else there and I can't remember his name, but he knows that I know who he, Co Como. Oh, okay. Anyway. Um, I mean, they've had so many workshops and opportunities to just teach entrepreneurs what it's like to run a business. It brought in so many different um, advisors. The public library has quite a bit to offer. And so in that, in that opportunity that they presented, it connects us with Casey SourceLink and as well as um, so many other entrepreneurial um, resources. And then from there, it seems once you get into one network, then they ask, well, have you heard about um, TechVenture? TechVenture, well, have you heard about um, Velocity Pitch? And Velocity Pitch led to, have you heard about um, Pure Pitch Rally? And then, of course, Digital Sandbox. And then um, pipeline entrepreneurs and they all, there's so many different opportunities. And what I found, at least in my upbringing, we came from very, very humble beginnings. So I can tell you, my husband and friends will tell you too, I can pinch a penny till it screams. If I can get to something free or close to free, even if I have to volunteer in order to um, expand my network, that's one way I've really found to broaden the network, to meet people and don't be afraid to go to them and tell them your story and say, I have these resources. What do you think I can do with these resources? Is there anybody that you know that can use these resources? And in addition to that, how can I get the resources that I need? Can we barter? Can we exchange? So, so well, and I, I love that point. Really so, so the, the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Kansas city, like we are, we're very lucky. Um, and have these resources available to us. We've got Kaufman right in our backyard. Right. We've got KC SourceLink. We've got UMKC. 
Um, you know, a lot of these really, really fantastic entities that are mm -hmm. committed to mm -hmm. helping entrepreneurs along in their journey. But to your point, like, I, I really love the point that you made where it, it, it's almost like as though I'm going to check my understanding here. Like, you just need one. You know, the community can be pretty insular. Once you're in, you're going to be championed. Right. But you have to get in. So you have to find one. You have to build a relationship. You have to identify what pieces are going to work for you. But then mm -hmm. once you're in, you're in. And you have, you know, so many, you have so many people pointing you to additional right. resources and more opportunities to learn and programming that can help you. Um, so how did you find, how did you find that one? Yeah. Well, I, I've always I had an that. entrepreneurial type of itch because I, I feel like there's, yeah, <laughs> there's, I mean, there, there's so many different ways, I, I think, and this is so bizarre, but when I first left college, when I graduated, my undergrad is in business from Mizzou. And so they're learning about how does business work. But, and I was in inroads. I don't know if you're familiar with inroads or not, but it, it I think it's still in existence. It's still, still um, at least in, in major part, major cities, but it's a way for uh, people of color to enter the field of um, engineering, business, and industry. And so it, my um, internship was at Commerce Bank and God bless Jonathan Kemper at Commerce Bank. I know he, he tolerated me and I did actually go back to him and, and thank him for the opportunity. But once you get that entrepreneurial itch, you kind of find, try to find out what can I do? What kind of business can I have? So I've had tutoring, I've had distance education, and then Cooper Business Services, and then Distance Education Services, until finally um, starting uh, Diversity Telehealth. But what I, I think is really important is when you have that itch, when you have that one person, and like I said, Jonathan Kemper really opened my eyes to the, the field of finance and business and banking, it was sometimes sure. it's good to know what you don't want as much as what you do want. And while banking is a wonderful industry, it just wasn't my industry. And so, but it did lead to, I met this person and that person. And then that expanded to, hey, did you hear about this opportunity? Well, it doesn't really work for me, but I know somebody else who could possibly use it. Let me tell them. So that led to that one, I think early on was the Commerce Bank and Jonathan Kemper experience that opened my eyes to there's more than what's going on in my neighborhood. And I think once you realize there's more than what you can see and put your hands on, then it, it really makes, it blossoms your curiosity. At least it blossomed mine and taught me that I can get outside of my neighborhood and help other people with whatever skills I have. Yeah, that so service I, heart right that's, there, just that's shining really through, you know, reach going. one, teach one. Um, you know, we're talking about, the folks like the people and the organizations and the the tools and the resources that have helped you in your journey and i, I do want to mention really quickly this episode of startup hustle is sponsored by full scale and you know if you are looking to build a software team and you don't necessarily have the resources to keep folks around full time or you know you don't um you, you don't have the know-how you know a lot of people don't have a, a lot of know-how when it comes to those kinds of technical skills but you need a developer uh, full scale is the way to do it they're going to help you build a software team quickly they're going to help you do it affordably they're going to help you do it in a way that works for you um so 
you know, just, I, I love the work that, that full scale does. And of course, we're very grateful to them for helping to power the, the startup hustle podcast and, and help us have conversations like these. So not only can they help you tactically, but they're helping us, you know, helping us work with entrepreneurs kind of philosophically. So, you know, love that. But, you know, let, let's talk some, let's talk some other tools. Um, you know, you've been accepted into a couple of different accelerator programs. So, so talk to us a little bit about that. Cause I, I don't know any entrepreneur mm -hmm. or any, you know, that, that traditional tech founder who does, who isn't interested in accelerator programs. So I'd like to hear about your experience there. Well, that's what's funny. I'm yeah. not a tech at all. I'm, even though I taught computer applications, um, I taught computer applications because I wanted to be a teacher and I had a business degree and teaching business and, yeah. and, and technology was the quickest way into the classroom. So I'm going to clarify that. Um, people who know me know they can ask me certain technology questions, but I've got a limit. Yeah. And then I know what I don't know and I need to refer them to somebody else. But um, I think... Well, I've, just, I've, you know, you've, you've availed question. yourself what of a couple your of different question? accelerator programs. I'm curious about your, your experience. Right, right, right. Okay, sure. Well, the first one is uh, Women's Academy, uh, which is led by um, Sergio and Kimmy Palou out of Salt Lake City, Utah. And um, I was referred to them by one of my advisors, yeah. Sam Hasty, who came. I do from, know Sam. Um, Opportunity <laughs> Hub. You know oh. Sam? Yeah, he's actually one of our advisors. Yeah, for sure. Show and 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 back yeah. up. Opportunity Hub KC Rodney Sampson was the very first experience that I had, and so um, with with that, it was a, a monthly meeting. I think. The, one Saturday a month we met and Dave Parker flew in from Seattle, I think is where he's from. And he did a lot of different entrepreneurial workshops and told us how they work and cap tables and, and fundraising and that type of thing. And that I started thinking, Hey, this is great. I have a business degree, but I've never heard of a lot of these topics. Maybe I should have, <laughs> I don't know, but that business degree was a long time ago. Um, and, <laughs> and things change. And so from opportunity hub, um, I connected with Sam, as I mentioned, because he was with them at the time. And he kind of told me about uh, Kimmy and yeah. Sergio at Women's Academy, Beta Boom, out of Salt Lake City. And so interviewed with them. And I thought, oh, they don't want me. I'm probably the oldest one in the group. And and so the interview went really well because, you know, when you have in your head, oh, I'm not going to get this. I was completely comfortable. And so I wasn't nervous during the interview because well, I thought, well, they're not going to pick me anyway. The game. So what do well, I have yeah, to lose? Just and then I get an email. <laughs> I know, whatever. I'll just tell, I'll just, you know, sometimes when you're in interviews and you're, at least for me, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I really want this. And I hope they pick me. And I hope I give them the right answers they're looking for. In that situation, it's like, well, I'm just going to be myself because they're probably not going to pick me. And then they did. And so in opening that whole um, experience, I learned more about how entrepreneurship works and what startups do and how they put their tech together and their finances and product development and marketing and sales, yeah. which I know now are two different things. Sales and marketing are not the same thing. And so that led to um, a lot of exposure and then thinking, okay, well, digital sandbox, let's go for digital sandbox and see if that works. The first attempt didn't. And I think the main reason we didn't get awarded digital sandbox our first time around 
was I was trying to tell them what I thought they wanted to hear. And hi, I'm Dr. Cooper. How are you doing? How, how's the kids? Or, or, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. And it was just so stiff and so not me that the second time around, I thought, well, I've already been turned down once. What's the worst that can happen? They can turn me down again. I'm just going to go ahead and, and do what I feel like I need to do. And then I think that what is what really helps. I know I need to get this funding. I know it's really important for the company, yeah. but I can't be anybody other than myself. So if I'm fake and phony and what I yeah. think they want to see and hear, then it's not going to work in the long run because eventually well, you're going to be yourself and they're going to see who so you really I'm are. So I just, I just because don't, I, think I just doesn't work the, that way. In, in startup culture, in entrepreneurial culture, there is this, desire or there is this like understanding that you have to always be hashtag killing it you know so so when people ask you like what do you do how's it going i i firmly believe that most entrepreneurs they kind of gloss over the the tough mm -hmm. stuff and they're like oh yeah it's going great you know blah 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 we just did this this and this and you know celebrating accomplishments is incredible but when you're talking about accelerator programs when you're talking about funders when you're talking about the people who are going to be extremely invested mm -hmm. in your success most of those entities and people and organizations, they want to know you and they want to know like, where do you see the challenges? And they want to make sure that as a founder, that you don't have your blinders on, mm -hmm. that you have a firm understanding of what you could potentially need to overcome, you know, where your sticking points might be because the right. best founders and, and really the only way to be successful as a founder is to know those points, be able to speak about knowledgeably and then work with people to overcome them in order to to be successful right and so, mm -hmm. so i love that like that authenticity piece like they want to know dr shelly cooper as an individual right. they want to know you as a founder they want to know your organization and they want to trust that you know your organization backwards and forwards and that includes the shitty stuff right <laughs> so so i i love that so much you know and I think it's also really telling That's right. you as a leader, you know, okay, right. didn't get it the first time. What can I do the second time? Let's try it again. Um, you know, and that, that's the entrepreneurial way, my friend. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, I've, I've just always been so impressed by you and your, your style and the way that you have been uh, conducting well, yourself on this journey. <laughs> Well, you know, it's so interesting that you should say that because in the very beginning, I thought, oh, I need investors. So any investor, any or your investor, either angel investor, VC, anybody, when I need an investor. So I was just like sending out these mass emails to all these different investors. And I and then after talking to yeah. several of them and I did the, you know, cookie cutter, how you doing, how you doing, hand, you know, back slapping, shaking hands, how the kids, I, all that. I thought, you know, I they don't know me. And there's a right investor sure. for me. It's not that those investors were not good investors. They just weren't sure show investors. And it needs to be somebody that I feel comfortable having a conversation, just like I'm having a conversation with you. I can't be on edge. I can't be fake. If they want to know what's going on with sure show, I'm going to tell them, this is what we're doing. We're retooling right now. We're trying to get our product. So it's tweaked and exactly what you want, because I don't want anybody to have to get that phone call that says a relative or friend 
passed away and they could have been seen sooner. They could have gotten healthcare sooner. And I'm going to put together a crappy piece of software just to put something out there and say, oh, here it is. Here's Sure Show. No, it's not. If it's not something that I think could save my father's life, then I'm not going to offer it to anybody else. And whatever they get is going to get the best that I can possibly give them or I'm out of the game because I don't want crap with my name behind it. So if that means it takes a little bit longer to retool it, yeah. if that means that we're going to have to get some betas going and the betas, maybe we, we might not get paid. Hopefully we will. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, I want to have it out right now, this minute. Someone call my number or text me or email me and say, we want Sure Show in our, in our organization right this minute. We're really inspired by what you're doing. But I want them to have the very best product because if I give them a piece of junk right now, I've lost their trust. Not only have I lost their trust, but it goes against my integrity. And my name and my integrity are really all I have at this point. So people who know... If, when they see the name Sure Show, they're going to know for damn sure it's here to save your life and to save your, your parents' lives, your kids' lives, and the patients in your healthcare facility, or don't call, don't text, don't email. If you're not looking for the top product, then don't call oh, me because man. that's all I'm going to give you. I, and I, mean, I don't care me, if it takes me forever to get it there, done, but you're only going to get the really very best I have to I, I feel like you and I are going to have to do a like a happy hour because so, you have just said some things that resonate with me strongly. And you've said some things that I've actually said in my journey. Founder. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this um, idea out there that done is better than perfect. And I'm like, well, that really, I, I agree with that to an extent because nothing's ever going to be perfect, but what we're not going to do is release something that is not of great right. benefit and something that is not, exactly. you know, in line with the, the excellence that we should aspire to, you know? So, so yeah, like, I love that. That was amazing. Um, I feel like there were about 20 sound bites in there. So, <laughs> so, so I, I'm going to switch, I'm going to switch conversational tacts on you or tactics on you a little bit. And, you know, one <laughs> of the things that I want to talk about, we've kind of talked around it a little bit. But I want to talk to you more specifically about fundraising, um, because I, I, I do believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, for, for a long time, at least, you, you were bootstrapping Sure Show, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you, and I know that you've received, I, I, I know that you've received some funding. I know that you have mm -hmm. had, um, mm -hmm. you know, conversations right. with some invest investors that I've been, you know, aware of and I, I'm sure that I don't know like the full minutia of it but talk to us talk to us about that how did you how did you go or what I guess what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs mm -hmm. who are seeking investment and funding the number one thing mm -hmm. I think is to be honest when we went through the um, due diligence process, and I wasn't familiar with that. I mean, I, I read everything I can get my hands on, but I, when, when they mentioned, oh, we're going to do due diligence, and I'm just thinking, okay, I know I've heard that, but I really wasn't sure what that was. And so knowing your numbers, as, as Mr. Wonderful says on Shark Tank, because I am a right. Shark Tank fanatic, knowing your numbers and also knowing what are they going to ask of you. What documents are they looking for? Do you have your financial projections together? And why do you project yeah. a certain 
what what's your um um oh goodness how many how many do you plan to hire how many employees do you plan to hire what's what's going to be your engineering spend what's going to be your marketing spend and then also keeping in mind the legal part okay this i'm not i'm not trying to advertise i know i did a shameless plug for hobie williams but now i'm doing a shameless plug for for my other attorney group sometimes you can put things you can do things online sure and sometimes you need to actually have a living breathing attorney to look over your documents because what you think a contract might say or any type of operating agreement might say is not necessarily what it says and i'm learning yeah. that no one's going to care more about what your documents say than you do and possibly your attorney so read everything. If you have a question, make sure you ask your questions and you get the answers to your right. satisfaction. Because if you sign something, it's legally binding, whether you understood it or not. That is the lesson I've learned. And people will tell you anything, but if it's not in writing well, yeah. and you can't prove it, that it I, actually you took know, place, and, and I, then you're sunk. And you've got to figure out a way to get word. out of that I would that say hole. that that so actually extends to a lot of I different learned. pieces of a business you know legal issues huge are attorneys expensive sure but think of how expensive it's right. going to be if somebody comes after you in a lawsuit and you ultimately have to fold your mm -hmm. business and on um, liabilities and mm -hmm. loss um you know but you know that also extends like for, so my my achilles heel is accounting right. like i am i can it's mm -hmm. one of those things that i've kind of trained myself to do in like the day-to-day -day, but when it comes to um, you know, taking it to the next level, like financial projections, you know, figuring out, uh, you know, budgeting. I, it's not my wheelhouse. Is it something that I've educated myself on? Absolutely. And I invite any, any founder, like, you know, whatever your weak spots are, find those resources to teach you them, but mm -hmm. don't be afraid to pay someone else to do it. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I agree with you. And I, I tell you what, if I yeah. could go back about 18, 17, 18 months and do some things differently, I definitely would have, but woulda, shoulda, coulda, just, I can't do anything yeah. about that. Everybody's got hindsight's 2020. I mean, all those cliches, but the bottom line is know your numbers and know your contracts because a couple of words in a contract can make the difference between yeah. thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars sure. in legal defense versus you really knowing what's going on. So I'm, I'm learning my lesson right now, as a matter of fact. So can't go into detail. I'm just telling you, when people tell you something, it's nice if they're a friend and you can believe them. But if it's business, Absolutely. you need Absolutely. to make sure you know and, exactly you know, what's there, I, I, I what should be there, sort of and like, exactly what's in that operating agreement, because it will definitely come back to bite you we're helping entrepreneurs listening at home uh to the show like you're you're helping them to see your hindsight is 2020 by sharing your story so i'm sure that they are super excited to to know like hey these are some things that i need to look out for and pitfalls and so so you might be experiencing some stuff at the moment but you are helping right. other entrepreneurs build their businesses better so thank you for that um all right i've got mm -hmm. i've got one more question and it's the human question. And uh, here, here it comes. I'm just going to ask, you know what I really want to sure. know? Uh, Dr. Cooper, I really want to know, what are you reading right now? Other than contracts? Are you reading anything other than contracts <laughs> right now? 
I'm embarrassed to say that I'm reading a. <laughs> I I have become a bachelorette fanatic. I never watched bit? the show in the past, but with so many, when we're thinking about so many technical things and numbers and contracts, I just need some dirt. It does. It huh. does. So I'm reading this book, um, and it's it's called Okay. Um, it's not okay. And it's by Andy Dorfman. And she was one of the bachelorettes that um, got engaged on the show. And she and her fiance ended up breaking up. (laughs) So I watched that bachelorette episode. And then I I checked out the the library book because I'm I'm cheap and I'm figuring I'm not, this isn't going to be part of my long term library. (laughs) That's what I'm reading. But I'm also reading some really important. I'm like, read what you want to read. I need to be able to turn my brain off. You don't have to get gendered about it because we don't do the same for like action movies and stuff like that. We're not like, I'm not, I'm ashamed. Don't be ashamed. If it makes you feel better, So I do the same thing. Like you're spending your days mired in very technical yeah, information. Yeah. So that's, you're that's what thinking I'm about by my bedside right now. I'm about done with that. As I to turn your brain that, off and that, read something that's just not complicated, I totally get it. If it makes you feel any better, I mm-hmm. I am actually going through a paranormal romance phase. Um, not it's not my normal genre, but I, I was just like I just picked one up and I was like, oh, this feels like a little brain vacation. I love it. Uh, oh, <laughs> and it's just silly and it's fun. Um, well, <gasps> ooh. But I do wanted to add, um, I just released a book called Pathways okay. to Her Rise. I've got a chapter in this book, um, and it was just released. It's presented by Marsha Guerriere. Amazing. And Pathways to Her Rise are personal stories <laughs> and practical advice awesome. from courageous women on the rise. Very, very good. So I've got cool. a chapter in well, that and, book. Well, congratulations on it's that. It's available on Amazon, another shameless plug. So, so congratulations so on your So that's also at my website. So I balance it out. of awesome women. Um, and, and thank you so much for being on the show with us today, Dr. Cooper. This has been a lovely conversation. I knew that we were going to have fun, but um, yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be awesome. Well, something to look forward to. And we're we're going to talk offline about that. Well, thank but, you. Uh, thank you. We're going to have you know, this happy wanna, hour. want to also thank virtual you for or in the person time doesn't to matter. Listen to us today. Uh, we also want to thank our episode sponsor. Today's episode of Start a Puzzle <laughs> was sponsored by FullScale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And also want to mention, I, I don't know if you, if everybody's heard this, so I'm just going to share. But we actually started our own TV show about entrepreneurship. Uh, you can head on over to YouTube. Search for Startup Hustle and you can watch myself and fellow founder cast members share the real story of what it takes to start, build, and grow a business. And I think as we all know, uh, Dr. Cooper, you can probably agree there are a lot of highs, there are some low, there are a lot of lows, <laughs> uh, but it, it's definitely a rewarding roller coaster of a journey. And you can learn more about that on Startup Hustle TV. Listeners, um, you rock our faces off. Thanks for spending time with us every week. And we will catch you on the flip side.
Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Cause, 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 cause